you like Grant Fisher, I told him I'd give this shout out, but he just came out with a new podcast called The Half Step Pod. He's doing it with a former teammate of his, Connor Lane, and a really good listen behind the scenes action of what it's like to be a professional. of the Half Step Pod. I am your co-host, Connor Lane, and across from me, my co-host, Grant Fisher. Grant, dude, it's been a little bit. Do anything exciting since last time we talked? I know I, I'm pretty sure I led the last podcast asking the same thing, but uh, you keep doing exciting stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. It's, it's been a, a very crazy past two weeks, emotionally and physically. Um, yeah, I'm back up in Park City now, just coming down off of uh, all the just wild emotions that I had, um, over the past little bit. And, uh, yeah, yeah. We haven't spoken in a while. Um, I was pretty wiped out after the trials, so I kind of just wanted to lay low and recover, but yeah, happy to uh, be back chatting. Yeah. I'm glad we could finally get this thing in. I know everyone, we've been getting some DMS, like, when are you guys going to talk about the 5k? When are you guys going to talk about the end of the trials? Like, Hey, I was ready. I mean, I gave you the benefit of the doubt considering the old, uh, what was it, 20K of racing at trials and making the two Olympic teams. Uh, it could take as much time as you wanted, but <laughs> we, fin- we finally have gotten it down. Hopefully this is coming out Sunday morning in time for people's long runs uh, and the week ahead. Uh, dude, we should, I don't know. Do you want to jump right into the five? Do you want to, what do you, and what do you want to talk about? There's so much. Yeah, sure. Let's talk about the five. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can provide a little, um, a little insight. I had a few people DM me just wondering like what happened between the 10 and the five as far as like recovery and, yeah. and all that stuff. So I, we could touch on that before we get into the race. Let's do it. I, I actually, yeah. Cause that reminds me, I saw when you guys, the travel day, when you guys were um, going down back to Eugene, Woody posted a picture of you <laughs> on his story head in there. And I, I got to find, we got to ask him for that picture cause I need it. And I want to post it on our account. Because you're wearing like just like a like a big like sun hat, it seemed like just like an orange t-shirt or something, just like shorts and slides, like the whole like truly what I thought in my head was like, oh, this guy's already made the team, <laughs> like for sure. And and not that not that you weren't gonna go focus and give it your all at at the trial still, but <laughs> it's very much like a yeah, like in case y'all didn't know, I did make the team in the 10k already, and I'm just kind of vibing here <laughs> in the second half. Um. Obviously, the performance still was well up from maybe the level that that intensity would have put you at. But yeah, what was what was that like? You get back up to Park City and you come back down Eugene a few days later. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, we raced the 10K um, at night. I can't remember the exact date. It might have been the 18th. Um, you know, the race goes super well. I qualify with my teammate, Woody. Um, um, just great, great feelings uh, seeing my family there. Um, it was, it was incredible. We, I mean, we kind of touched on this in the last podcast, but, um, just, just so many emotions, like gratitude, um, excitement, relief, like there's, there's a lot that goes into being prepared on that one day. And, you know, when, when it's over, like you just, I don't know, you're, you're emotionally exhausted. Like it, it, it's so many different things that hit you all at once. Um, but yeah, that night, you know, tried to get some food as fast as I could. Um, 
things were closing up pretty quick. I got some like water and stuff after like all the drug testing, interviews, all that stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I spent some time with my like my family, my friends that were there, and then uh, back to the hotel, went to sleep, woke up early, um, went for a run on Pre's Trail with Woody, and uh, did a some stuff for Nike, um, just like some uh, some meetings and interviews and photos and stuff um and then went to team processing which i uh, if you make an olympic team you have to go to team processing and do a lot of paperwork um and get fitted for your uniform and stuff and get all the gear um and then we went straight to the airport flew out drove up to park city um and by then it was like 7 p.m and we were we were pretty tired um and yeah the the days in between the the 10 and the 5 we had i think 4 days up here in park city um we came back up just to try to preserve our our altitude boost that we had gotten over the past couple months um without getting too technical when you're at altitude for a while your body is in a oxygen deprived state um and in response it starts to produce a few more red blood cells uh, which are really advantageous in running because those carry oxygen. So when you go down to sea level, you feel really good, but your body realizes it's at sea level pretty quickly and will start to get rid of those excess red blood cells. So uh, hop back up to altitude to try to keep as many as we could. Um, and uh, yeah, honestly felt like shit for three days um, after that race. <laughs> Just just like my body was fried. Uh, it was nice having Woody there too, to, to, to complain to, you know, cause we, we were in it together. We both felt just tired and, um, we knew we had to refocus for this five. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was nice to get out of town for a bit. Eugene can be just hectic, uh, towards during the trials. Like it's an incredible environment. The stadium is awesome and the fans are awesome, but you know, there's only so many days you can be in that environment. Like, and and not like relax because we needed to relax and recover um and yeah um hit like a really light workout i think two days after three days after maybe the 10 uh just to flush out the legs um get a little pop back and then started feeling good again after that nice um so you have this like you have this three-day segment, four-day segment back at altitude, and you come back down for the prelim of the 5K. Um, what's the what's the thought process going into the prelim? Um, you know, especially in the first heat where y'all start the race and it goes pretty slow. Were you, I mean, either way, right, with your aspirations to make the Olympic team, like finishing top five in your heat should be, like, you should be able to take care of that, but you got to do it on the day in your heat. What do you remember about the prelim that sticks out to you? Yeah, um, I, I guess I didn't a answer one of your questions about the the hat and outfit I was wearing when I flew down. Oh, and the hat and outfit. <laughs> when, Very important. When I flew down from Park City back down to Eugene, um, I didn't know there was a story behind. <laughs> so the story is kind of thought. The, this, the story is just that um, you know one of my teammates Lopez, uh, he was got injured in the final of the ten. Um, you know, it's something you can't predict, like or expect. So all of his stuff was still in Park City. Um, and he was in Eugene uh, at, at the time, and he just asked us to pack up all his stuff and, and bring it down. And he had this really nice, like, felt kind of cowboy-ish hat um, that you can't, like, stuff in a bag or anything. So I, I carried his stuff and checked his bags down and uh, had to wear the hat. Or not had, got to wear the hat. Uh, got to wear yeah, the hat. Yeah, got to wear the hat. Um, 
I, I would, it's a little fancy for my style. So it, it was funny, the picture I'm wearing, yeah, like sweats and a, just like a running t-shirt. Um, and this like fancy, probably quite expensive hat, uh, on my head. So they, that, that's the story behind the, the, the hat. Um, Lopez, that's his prized possession, that hat. So he, he sent me a picture when he finally got it back, um, him wearing it. Yeah. I think he pulls it off a little better than me, but um we're gonna get that picture posted <laughs> on the instagram so you got we got text woody make sure we have that yeah because uh, <laughs> at this point we talked about it too much not to do it yeah um and then your 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 follow-up question yeah going into the 5k uh the heat sheets come out maybe like a day a day before um the heats so i looked at my heat and it was pretty stacked um it was woody was in it um like ben true was in it uh he ended up scratching but he's a, a very good athlete um cooper tier was in it uh i'm trying to think i'm drawing a blank now um uh i got it i got it in a second oh what day was it thursday it feels like so long ago (laughs) i know the first round uh in your heat was eric jenkins jenkins yeah uh, yeah yeah garrett heath garrett lalo herrera um yeah i mean it was it was definitely a stacked heat and being heat one is definitely a disadvantage in these situations uh maybe even more so than it normally is so you're coming into that you know i mean if it as it goes out like decently slow knowing the second heat can probably run faster you're i'm sure you're not ne- you're never thinking about getting a time cue anyway but uh you know it's it's really going to kind of constrict itself and could potentially come down to a sprint finish with a lot of guys fighting for a few spots yeah yeah we um we knew it was going to be hard we knew the heat was difficult um it was hot out. Like there, there are a lot of factors that we were faced with, but like everybody in the heat was, was also under those same circumstances. Um, being the first heat, you pretty much can bank on the second heat, just running faster and qualifying all of the time qualifiers. Um, so I believe it was top five in each heat. And then the next four fastest times, uh, no, no, it was the next, it was the next six fastest times, which is, was it six? Dang. Which is dumb. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. We'll talk about that, though. <laughs> and, and so uh, we looked at the situation, and, you know, it was clear. If you're in the second heat, you just see what the first heat runs and run a little faster, and your whole heat will qualify pretty much. Whole heat, um, yeah. So, yeah, we knew that was going to happen. Um, and in, in either case, if I was in heat one or heat two, you can't bank on being a time qualifier. It's just too risky. You have to go for top five and... You know, if, if you slip into sixth or seventh and are the little queue, that's great. But I don't know. I don't think I would have the confidence in the second heat to be in sixth or seventh and just coasted in knowing like that I would be a, a time qualifier. I don't know. I just wouldn't have the confidence to do that. I, yeah. If I became sixth or seventh and became the time qualifier, great. But yeah, I, if I knew the first seat went like 1350 and I knew I was going to run 1340 and I was in seventh, I think I'd still have to like try to get top five, if that makes sense. Really? You could, I feel like in my head, I would, I would like, I would be like, okay, seventh guy or last time Q in the heat ran this. If I am like this place, I just have to run the time. I mean, I mean, you, you want to outkick everyone on the home. I would always just run down the home stretch hard, <laughs> though. I don't really think that would like. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, logically and like, yeah, it, it would make more sense to, if you knew you could be a time qualifier, to use as little energy as possible and just be that. But I don't know. I I don't want to mess around with that. I just want to be top five and get the, the automatic qualifier. And 
if I slide back to a little cue, that's fine, but go for top five at least. Um, of course. And yeah, so we went in that race. We honestly got out pretty well. Our first 200, uh, I wanted to be near the front just so I could see all the moves kind of, if anything crazy happened, just be there and not be caught up in just the churn of the mid pack. Um, stayed up there, honestly didn't feel that good. Um, just cause we had a 10 K in our legs and, uh, waited and waited, um, for someone to make a move. And, uh, no one really took it from the gun, uh, super hard or even in the middle of the race, super hard. Um, so I knew it was going to be a, a kick finish. Um, there are too many good guys in the race to, you know, drop everybody by running a 65. Um, that, that wasn't going to cut it. So we, uh, waited until about, I think two laps to go. And Garrett Heath took over, really cranked that second to last lap, ran a 60, um, sort of filtered out, um, some people, which was, you know, is nice in a race, just less bodies to get tangled up with and get around. Um, felt like I was in a good spot. And, uh, I think I took the lead with like 350 to go or something. Just wanted to be out of traffic, control the race. And, uh, just have a straight line to run in and, and not have all these people just chopping away. Um, I honestly was probably in the lead for about a hundred meters before Eric Jenkins kind of whipped by me on the outside and I could tell he was going pretty fast. I felt good. So just covered his move. And, um, with about one fifty to go, I started looking around a bit, realizing that four of us had broken away. Um, and you know, there's no need to, to go all out to win your prelim. So, um, just monitored the situation, making sure that nobody came up and slingshotted around and accidentally nipped you. Um, I prefer in, in qualifying races, if, if I have the option or have the gas for it to defend like the second or third position rather than the fifth position, just because you give yourself a little bit of margin for error in case something weird happens. Um, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And so if someone's whipping by, yeah, just, just kept an eye on everybody. Um, honestly checked my shoulder probably too much. Uh, but just wanted to be sure that I was in that top five and, um, you know, didn't, didn't use all the gears on that home stretch, uh, which <laughs> we can talk about a bit, but easing up at the line, I think is more psychological than physical. Um, as far as like in a race, if, if you know, you're going to qualify in a heat, and you don't like slam the gas in the last 50 meters. I think it's more psychological an advantage just knowing you like, have those you don't gears. Think it, I don't think it, it gives, gives you, you that, that yeah. much. I don't think it saves your legs that much. Um, I don't think it does. <laughs> but psychologically, it's like, yeah, I had, a, I had a few more gears. Like I can beat those guys, uh, which everybody's thinking. <laughs> well, this, this entire <laughs> podcast is based around the idea of like, we've talked about this so much. It's like, Oh, you know, like whatever your situation is, like make that situation the best situation for you, right? Like, like whatever, whatever your hand is, like that's the best hand, right? Like, oh, the race is tactical. That's perfect for me. It's, <laughs> oh, I feel bad. That's okay. I felt bad this whole time. I feel good. That's so good. Man. That's so much better than feeling bad. I feel like it's, it's a similar, you know, like, like you're saying, I think that there is a real psychological benefit probably to not using up all your gears and being able to hang in second. Um, but physically, yeah, I, you still have 15 K on the legs. You still run a 55 last 400. I don't think it's, I, I also don't think that that wrecks you, right? You're, you're fit. You're strong. Like, don't think it makes a difference, you know, super bad. It's just, 
yeah, I don't think that's going to be what was the difference in the final. Um, but psychologically, it's probably nice to shut it down and finish one one thousandth of a second ahead of Woody <laughs> for second in the heat. Um, meaning that you get him twice on the weekend, which, <laughs> or uh, over the course of the trials, two to one. Um, yeah, that was that was a really tight finish. I I do, I do like you know like when you when you ease with a line though to, to make it to a final, it's got to be a good feeling though. Like okay, like I'm I got it. Yeah, you can kind of like jog across the line feel good about it it is a good feeling and honestly those those prelims are stressful um because you're if you're in a position where you're supposed to make it to the final all you can do is mess up like if you make it through everyone's like okay yeah you should have done that um but if you make a mistake and don't make it through you'll get ripped into um and and you'll be mad at yourself even more so well, i feel like you'll get ripped into by yourself yeah i don't yeah. think you really care about like what the meme account says about sure, it. sure I, mean, I don't yeah. know like I don't think I don't think you're sitting like shit. Like they're all they're all roasting me now. Like I don't. But yeah, you're you're if you should make it through and you don't, it's gotta be difficult mentally. Yeah, yeah, it yeah it those prelims. Yeah, they they can be stressful, especially when you have a very good prelim um, and there are a lot of really good guys. We kind of knew going into that prelim that there are gonna be some very good people that get eliminated right here. Um, we're like, all right, let's make sure that's not us um <laughs> the the general overview of the game plan from my coach jerry was don't be sloppy um be near the front don't waste too much energy and it's gonna feel bad and you're gonna have to kick hard at the end um just preparing us to not think it's, it's gonna, gonna be easy you know like yeah. when you go into races prelims finals doesn't matter and you think it's gonna be easy that's never a good idea um it's just always harder than you expect. And we, yeah, I mean, we kicked, I mean, a 55 last lap that we land, ran in the prelim, like that's not jogging around. Um, no. that, that's pretty aggressive. So we did have to kick at the end, uh, but it, it, it was nice to be prepared for that just mentally knowing like, hey, this isn't going to be a cakewalk where with a K to go, five guys are broken away and we just, you know, all high five and coasted in. Uh, that that yeah. was not going to be the case. Let's let's before we talk about the final, let's talk a little bit about the qualifying structure of this prelim, um, of the five K prelim. Because you basically already said my main take on it, but I was watching it on that Thursday and I was just it made me so upset. <laughs> um in, in a couple for, for one really big reason, but a couple ways. Cause um for everyone who doesn't have the results pulled up on their computer in front of them, uh the the five K heats it's top five in each heat which is 10, and then the next six time qualifiers for a 16-person final. Um, but the way that... So going into the Olympic trials, though, we're only taking 24 applicants for the 5K in general. Um, or, I guess, if more people hit the time standard. But you're talking about heats of 12 people. Uh, there's the potential, which is pretty much what happened, right? There's the potential for one of the heats to get 11 people qualified for the final and the other heat have five. Um, I, what ends up happening is your heat gets six and then the second heat gets 10 by running a little bit faster. When, when you have a prelim for a long race, like it's like a steeplechase or a 5k or even a 1500 to an extent, um, the first rounds of all of those events, what, what ends up seemingly happening is like no one's gonna none of those 5k prelims were gonna be at the olympic standard um probably i mean there was a small chance that someone could have tried for it the women's 5k they did do it right abby, abby cooper but it's very rare and 
from the first heat or the second heat position, you're probably running 10 to 20 to 30 seconds slower than even the qualifying mark to get into the meet. Uh, both, both heats did that, right? Chilimo won the second heat in 1336. Eric Jenkins won yours in 1343. Like you said, like if the, the second heat can see you guys run a relatively slow time for their ability and someone or a couple people can go to the front and keep the pace a little bit quicker, which is still well below everyone in that heat's PR, um, it's especially tough because of this qualifying structure with six time qualifiers and a heat of 12 people because the entire heat will make it through if you just stay on the pace and don't fight each other. Um, compare that to like the NCA regional qualifying system in the 5K where it's 5-5 five, five, and two time qualifiers. There's not so much of an advantage to having those two extra time qualifiers that anyone good enough to take that pace the whole way through is going to do it and not just rely on the fact that they'll get an, like an automatic qualifier. Like you, right? Like you were never going to go make the first heat of that race super fast to get like an extra time qualifier spot because you were confident you could finish top five. But when there's only two time qualifiers in, in overall up for grabs, then it's not going to like make the heat go a certain way, right? You might, guys are going to be more tentative to, to take the lead because th- there's not such a benefit to the whole heat making it through to the final. Um, it just, it just seems so the steeple was the same way. Now it ended up all the steeple qualifiers in the time queue came from the first heat, which is great for Sean. This has nothing to do with like individual people in this scenario. It's just, it, we gotta, we gotta have less time qualifiers coming out into the final. Or what I would rather have is, yeah, maybe like split it up. So there's more auto cues, like big cues and add more people to the meet, you know, at least let the prelims also be 16 people. And if the final's going to be 16 people anyway, right? Like, like then you're going to have more people in the prelim, which will prevent collusion in the race from basically happening, right? I mean, like, uh, it seems like there's a couple solutions to that, but decreasing the amount of time qualifiers or just increasing the number of participants to, to prevent that kind of situation where the second heat just runs a little bit faster and everyone gets through. Because the qualifying for the final, that matters. Like, even if that person might be a long shot to make the team, like, it matters to get into the heat. You know, you never know what's going to happen. So it seems dumb that that was the way that it was decided. Yeah, it's it's an interesting setup. Um, I mean, if you looked at the prelim I was in versus the other prelim, I think there were six guys with the Olympic standard in my heat and two guys with the Olympic standard in the other. Um, and I think that's just how it was seated based on a descending order list of your season's best this year. Um, as far as I understand it, it could be different, but I don't think people are handpicking these heats. Uh, I think it's selected based on your season's best. So a guy like Woody, for example, who has run 1258, but he ran it in 2019 and hasn't run uh, as fast in 2021. I think he ran uh, low 1320s uh, a few weeks before when we were at uh, the Portland Track Fest. Uh, he's seated as like, I don't know, maybe the 20th fastest guy when really he has, I, th- I think it's the best PR in the field. I'm, I'm not sure what Chalimo's exact decimals are, but those two are pretty much the, the fastest PRs in the field. But I think Woody, because his season's best wasn't as good, um, gets gets like seated beforehand as like more like the 20th fastest guy. Um, so sometimes just the way it happens, one heat gets a little better than the other um, or a little harder. And yeah, it's, it's very true. The points you raised, nobody's trying to PR in the prelim. 
Um, and everybody that goes into the prelim is trying to make the final with as little energy as possible. So yeah, there isn't the incentive, especially for the first heat, to push it um, and put yourself out there because that takes more energy. Uh, you want to save yourself for the final, not fry yourself. Um, however, if you see the first heat go a little slow and your, say your PR is 1320, um, which is about what a lot of the college guys in the second heat, their PRs were. Um, if I were them, absolutely, I would say, hey, I can run 1340 and that won't take that much out of me. We'll just push the pace a little bit and get in. Um, personally, as a racer, I, I would prefer if there were more automatic qualifiers from each heat and fewer time qualifiers. Um, I just feel like it's more representative of how people will perform in the final. Uh, if there's auto automatic qualifiers rather than time qualifiers. Um, part of the reason for that, that if you're a time qualifier, you you probably went all out in the prelim and won't have as much for the final um, versus if you're a automatic qualifier, chances are like you might've saved a little bit mentally, physically, whatever. Um, you're also closer to the front. Yeah, you're closer even to the in front. slow heat. Yeah, in distance races, that's slow heat. I mean, you still are closing like really hard and are running. It's like a difficult thing to do to like close in a 55. Yeah, you know, to close. I'm sure your last 600 was blazing too. Like that's still, yeah, being like right next to that is still, I think, a lot better than just if you're off of the pace with 400 to go. And that's no disrespect. Like you know, everyone making the final, like oh no, no, good yeah, run, everyone deserves it. But if you're off the pace with like 600 to go. And it's just lucky that the heat was fast enough where you're going to squeak in ahead of the, the other heat. Like, it's just, that probably shouldn't be the most like effective way of deciding who's in the final. Yeah. I, I guess like my main point would just be the qualifying structure would ideally reflect who's going to perform the best at, at the final. So you want to advance the people that will do the best in the final. Um, ultimately the Olympic trials, the whole point of it is to be top three and and make mm -hmm. the team it doesn't matter how fast or slow you run uh if you're top three um provided you have the world ranking oh, yeah. and, and all and all that stuff in the standard um that's what matters so i feel like the prelim should also reflect that placing is the most important thing rather than time um i, I think there should be a few time qualifiers but i don't know maybe if they yeah, were like it shouldn't be six or, or in, in heats of 12 there shouldn't be six yeah i feel like maybe it should be like six automatic or seven automatic and then uh yeah and then a few uh, uh time qualifiers but you know it is what it is it's it's different in every event you look at the 1500 for example um in the first round they only eliminate like four people in the entire field yeah. it's yeah. almost like well i think we should i think we should talk about expanding the fields a little bit if we're going to do three rounds of a 15 and we're going to have a 5k prelim anyway and i know maybe the big concern there is like you don't want your favorites getting tripped up or having something bad happen but you're already running rounds right like you're already there if something bad happens it's already going to happen um i i don't think that's a good i think that that could happen to any situation you know you go into a final you have to be top three if your favorite gets tripped up in the final like i I don't think that there's this this huge like adding three people to each heat is going to mess it up um, or, or make it that much more risky for a favorite. It's also just racing. That's that's part of what sometimes happens. It's just I don't yeah. How all those prelims, especially like the fifteen prelim, you know, the five k, you're only cutting eight people. Like those first rounds just seemed very performatory 
and but you still got to run really you still got to run really hard so it it, it seemed kind of <laughs> like let's add enough people in there where that round is relevant too because you give more people a shot at the trials which is like the backbone of our sports economy right I don't think there's a huge incentive for like Adidas or Nike to have one extra participant in the race. But if that person does something huge or does something crazy or it becomes a big story, right? Like you got like, there's all these angles that meets that people find. If, if someone does that and they're sponsored by a brand, it's a huge opportunity for that brand that they wouldn't otherwise get if you don't make it into the trials. I just, I think we, sh- we shouldn't, if we're going to like limit this stuff at like 24 per, per event or something. And and we're only going to cut four people in the first round. That that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Like let's you can make the field thirty two and do that and still have relatively small heats. I I don't know. Well, I don't know what you think about that as someone who's going to be coming into these kind of as that favorite and like I'm sure it's fine the way it is. You know because because you're 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 having success. I don't think it would change that much, but maybe it brings in more risk. I don't know. No, I I agree. I I I think it'd be fine to add more people. Um, at least in like the five and the fifteen. Um, I think that's that's totally fine. There's events I mean, like add eight people. You're talking like three seconds in the five yeah. PR. Like it's not like it's not like you're bringing in like oh this this guy is like a lot slower than everyone else. You know? <laughs> yeah, like in a fifteen hundred, nobody's getting lapped really. Um, in a five k, it's pretty unlikely that someone's getting lapped. Uh, I don't think I, anyone's getting lapped. In five, I dude. yeah I, <laughs> at the trial. Yeah, I I think like. Expanding the field would be totally fine. Adding a few time qualifiers to balance that out would be also be fine. Um, there's other events like the 800 where I think it's incredibly cutthroat. The 800 heats no, yeah. first round. The 800 is brutal. That's a different idea to- entirely. Top yes. two qualifiers automatic and then a couple time qualifiers overall. It's I mean, that's brutal. cutthroat if you're in a heat with someone that's really good. And the U.S. has some very good men's and women's 800 meter runners. So. I guess most of my points Incredible. are for the 5K. <laughs> most, yeah, yeah, 5K steeple and maybe the 15 first round. Because, yeah. no, you're right, exactly. Like, the reason there's a ton of time qualifiers in the preliminary round, because even the 1500 round two is, I think, like 5-5 five, five, and 2. or so. Like, it's it's like the way it normally is, and it's, it's like that feels right. But the reason that the first rounds for pretty much every event from like 100 up has so many time cues is because exactly what you were saying about the heats they're not hand picking the heats and they're not doing they're doing it off of season's best which everyone knows is kind of arbitrary because once you hit the mark you might not run that fast again for, you know like so you need to have a usatf kind of is covering their like their butt there by having a bunch of time cues like hey you get in a stacked heat it's fine if you're the fourth fastest hundred in your heat like you'll make it through off of time cues because you're the fastest heat like the difference is in di- in distance races, you're not always going all out like that, you know, or like that margin isn't so thin where you're like, maybe the favorite's easing up before the line, the hundred, but everyone else is running straight through it because it's so cutthroat. Um, distance races are just conceptually like different from that with the way that like a 5k might go out that I think that needs to be accounted for with more auto cues. But in other heats, I totally get that. If you have a random stacked heat of like six of the best 10, like you want them all to be able to come through on time. Um, so that, that does make sense. But for our, for distance events, for our purposes, having more auto cues might make more sense. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, to, to reiterate your main point, like the shorter the event, the more likely you are that you're running all out or, or close to your personal best. I mean, how many people in the hundred PR every round, like how many people in the 200 PR every round, like that doesn't happen in the distances. Hardly ever does someone PR in the 15 steeple 5k 10k hardly ever at the trials it's just it's just different um 
the women's 15 i'm pretty sure so many people pr true but true, that, true yeah but <laughs> most of most of those races for sure yeah yeah, yeah but i know julia pr by five and, seconds and and the the qualification system as far as rounds go reflect the olympic schedule so um it's not like if somebody brought up the argument, okay, why don't you just get rid of the first round of the 1500? Uh, I don't think that's a good idea just because if you get rid of the first round and make it two rounds, then it's not reflective of the Olympics. And the U S wants to select the best team for the Olympics. So you want the trials to reflect uh, what you would have to go through at the Olympics. So um, I I definitely don't think the rounds should be changed as far as how many there are um let's add some people yeah i think adding people would be fine or auto cues yeah 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 okay we we've talked (laughs) i could talk about this forever um but we should move on to the actual race also overall dude the trials broadcast was really good uh kara gaucher did amazing the the nbc production was awesome you probably didn't watch as much of it as i did being there and everything um they did a really good job and they, they had all the interviews they had everything i mean you can't it's kind of that one of two moments that track and field gets to shine every year, you know, that, and then like the world or Olympic championship that comes up, um, truly on national TV. And I thought all in all, no, no complaints here. The commercials were, I think even less than some of the USATF meets earlier in the year. I mean, it was, they're still there. Like you're still cutting the commercial two minutes in every steeple. Um, but that stuff I feel like is kind of hard to critique i don't know um but all in all and the meet was seemed incredibly first class and professional in every way i'm sure you i mean that's basically what you've been saying um so it's not like we're dissing usatf as a whole it's just <laughs> let, let's add some people to this meet you know or, or change the auto cue thing if uh if we're gonna have like four people cut in the first round of 15 because it's a good point i didn't realize it modeled the olympic schedule exactly um and you should keep it that way but yeah. Anyway, I just I don't want to come at USATF on that on that front, <laughs> on that on on the television broadcast and meet performance perspective, uh, that much. There's other things, <laughs> but we should we should talk about the five, dude, because um, it's been long enough into the podcast. So I don't I don't even know where to start with this, dude. Um, it gets changed to a 10 a.m. start because it's going to be approximately 2,000 degrees on the track in the <laughs> afternoon. Um, it's still really hot for the race. You find out it's going to change like two days before, I think. Yeah, I think two days before they announced the schedule change. Um, yeah, if anyone doesn't know, it, it was in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, they had record heat. Um, it was there were probably three days in a row. It was over a hundred degrees. Uh, the day of the final, it was supposed to be a hundred and eleven degrees, um, and even hotter on the track just because of the way the track surface heats up and absorbs heat and kind of reflects. I saw those Instagrams of the, the, the thermometer laying on the track, like 150 degrees. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fair. But I mean, I guess sprinters had to put their hands on the track. That was the thing that I hadn't thought of. Yeah. Um, but I, as a whole, we're not typically head level down that low. <laughs> but I guess sprint, sprints you are. So yeah, yeah. yeah sprinters I, get I understand down on the postponing track. that. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was a welcome change. Yeah, um, I, I'd rather race when it's... 85 or 90 than when it's 111 um it just i don't know it becomes more of a race in my opinion in that situation than when it's 111 if if it were 111 i feel like everyone would have just sat around we would have run 15 minutes and run a fast like last 100 um but everyone would still be really freaking drained yeah <laughs> going into the last 100 too like it's not like it'd be everyone's fresh at the end of that yeah yeah so um yeah, honestly, I felt like I had my legs back going into the 5K final. Um, felt like I'd recovered fully from the 10K and then the 5K prelim. Um, felt good. 
it felt hot out, but everyone was in the heat. Uh, we had these cool little ice vest things that we had on, cooling vests to keep our uh, core temp Is that down. a Nike or Bowerman thing, or is that just a USATF? Uh, Nike provided them for us, um, and, and most of the Nike athletes had them on. Uh, there were other athletes that were sponsored by other companies also had uh, ice vests and stuff. Um, ours just had a little swoosh on it, so they were, they were Nike ice vest. Um, very legit, exclusive, uh, as far as I know. I don't think they sell those things, but... Did you get to hold on to it? Uh, I, I put it back in the cooler just because we didn't have a ton of them, and, and JT and Central were racing later that evening. So That's fair. That's so, fair, yeah. considering. Yeah. <laughs> um, Might have to get our hands on that. I'm not sure where they're at now. Um, but, yeah, it felt pretty good um, warming up. Like, I felt about how I feel for most races warming up. Like, you're just, you're nervous. Um, there's a lot of energy around. This was a really unique situation in which the only people warming up were the people racing the men's 5K because we were the only event that got moved to the morning. Uh, everything else got moved to the late evening, like 9, 10, 11 p.m. Um, so warming up in the stadium and in the warm-up area, it's just your competitors, nobody else. You don't see anyone else warming that up for other weird. events. It's just us. Um, and everyone in the stadium, they're there for just us uh, because we're the only event that morning, which was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, we warm up. It's all the same. Um, kind of was starting to feel comfortable just with the whole routine, just cause it was my third time racing there, uh, in like a week and a half. So, um, felt pretty comfortable. Uh, legs felt back, like felt some pops and some snap in them, uh, which is a good feeling, some power coming back and, um, yeah, walk out onto the track. Uh, it's really cool that that stadium is, is incredible. Um, I mean, first of all, the, the Olympic trials are the biggest meet I've ever raced at. Um, so this was a level that I've never really seen. The stadium is... For now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for now, I guess. Um, the stadium was unlike anything I've ever raced in. Uh, and you walk out of this tunnel, kind of feels like you're walking out of the Coliseum because uh, the call room and like warm-up area for, for strides right before the race is kind of under the track, underground. and you come out and the stadium is, you know, huge in front of you. Uh, you get hit with a wave of heat and th they walk you out from the finish line. So you have to walk 200 meters around the outside to the, to the start line of the 5k, uh, which is at the 200 meter start. And you walk by all the fans, which is cool. Everyone's yelling stuff, shouting encouragement to people and, um, everyone's dialed in. It, it was a really cool feeling. Um, you drop your bags, do a little stride and, uh, get called to the line. And, uh, yeah, before you know it, the gun goes off. Honestly, those moments kind of blur together. I'm thinking about that heat wave that you're talking about, like stepping onto the track when you get, like when you come out from like a cool environment and you got the vest off now. And cause like, especially growing up in North Carolina, I know that feeling, um, when like in the summer or in like the early season meets or, but you know, maybe by outdoor track because you're still racing in June. What, when you're running a 5k in that kind of weather and it's this 5k, like I, I, that, that heat just feels so oppressive a lot. Maybe it wasn't quite that hot, but it really could have been where it's like, it just, it feels like you're almost in a blanket. Um, and everything is just so warm. Like, what are you on that? Especially like on a long walk like that, when you're okay, now you're exposed to it. You know what? You know, everyone else is going through it for sure. But like, no doubt it, it saps you a lot. Um, what are you, are you doing anything mentally? Are you like, did, 
did you feel that way? Like, like what, what are you, what's in your head about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, the way you described it is great. A blanket, like it's, it's enveloping. Um, if anyone's ever been in a hot, humid place, when you go from AC to the heat, it just, yeah, envelops your body. It's kind of a weird feeling. Um, and then you got to go race a five. That, that's, that's the thing. Like then you got, now you got to go. It's almost, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it didn't, it didn't shake me too much because all everyone was talking about for the three days leading up to the meet was how hot it was going to be. So it wasn't a surprise. Um, like going into it, I knew it was going to be hot. I knew it wasn't going to feel good. Um, I knew I was going to feel drenched in sweat before I was actually physically tired. Um, so I didn't want to convince myself of, you know, talk myself out of this thing just cause it was hot. Um, I, you know, we've been training in park city and, uh, it's been hot up here, like nothing like 110 or, or whatever, but we've been working out and it's been 80, 90 degrees. Um, so just telling myself that I'm used to it, um, that everyone's in the same environment and, uh, that it's going to hurt and it's gonna, not going to feel good. Um, you know, it's, it's different than, back this past February and March when we had pretty much set up time trials, um, in perfect weather, perfect conditions, no wind, um, perfect temperature, you know, that's, that's how we ran really fast, but this one is different. You know, you can't control what the weather's like and you just gotta make the most of it and and make sure you don't talk yourself out of the race before it even starts. And then getting into the actual race, I feel like the only, description of the first like two two and a half miles of it it's just choppy you were able to situate yourself in that like top five range for most of it um and just kind of stay out of trouble i but like what's even i mean on top of the uncomfortableness of of, of the race temperature that it just it was choppy it didn't seem like there was much rhythm or flow to it i mean you can probably expect that considering the heat and it's not going to be super honest and you know, I mean, anything that slow with guys that fast throwing in like a random surge, it was going to be weird. Um, so maybe you were in control of that, but yeah. What was your understanding of those first couple miles? Like, yeah. Um, that's how I would describe it. Choppy. It was back and forth choppy. We were running into each other. Um, everyone was getting spiked up. Uh, if you look at post-race photos, pretty much everybody in the race has their shins cut up from, just running into the back kick of the person in front of them and getting spiked. Um, there's some back kick of Paul <laughs> back. Yeah. Back kick of a lot of, people. yeah, there, there's a lot of tall guys in that field. Um, Paul has a long back kick. Uh, Hassan has a long back kick. Like, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's just their form. Um, but yeah, when it's choppy like that and back and forth and slow, fast, slow, fast, you just run into each other. And, uh, you also, especially in a final like that, you try to run quite close to the person in front of you because you want to defend your position and you don't want someone to like come around the outside and cut you off and take your position. Um, so you kind of have to run really close to people, um, unfortunately. And, and, you know, that results in falls sometimes, tripping sometimes, but you kind of have to do it. If you leave too much of a gap or just you know, lay off someone a little bit, there'll be someone that sees that opportunity and muscles their way in and pushes you back. Um, so definitely, yeah, going into the race that I, I talked to Jerry, um, and the general race plan was get out nicely, um, stay clear of some trouble, be near the front and watch the dangerous people up there. And if they attack, you need to go. Um, he told me that there was nobody in this field that could run away from me, uh, 
and Woody in a fast race um, that we were fit and ready to go, which, um, you know, it was nice to hear your coach tell you that. Um, but basically, <laughs> sure. if, if anybody tried to hammer in the middle or at the beginning that we needed to go with it, um, just because, you know, you don't want to let guys break away in the Olympic trials final. Uh, it's just too risky banking on them coming back. So, uh, we knew where we needed to be. We knew where our eyes needed to be. And, uh, the beginning and middle of the race, there were a ton of lead changes, um, by very good guys, uh, dangerous guys that, that could potentially be top three in this race. So, um, you have to, I had to have my head up. I had to be watching and be near the front and cover moves. Um, I thought a few times that someone was going to take it and really go. Um, Jalimo took it at one point and I thought he was going to wind it up and he didn't. Um, Woody took it at one point and I thought he was going to wind it up and he didn't. Um, there were a bunch of times like that where I thought we were going to go really hard um, and people would try to break this field open, but it was just hot, I think. And, you know, you got to be pretty confident to put yourself out there and slam a 60 second lap in the middle of the race to try to shake some people and allow them to just sit on you during that. Um, exactly. Cause yeah, you're now you're the one taking it. Yeah. It's going to put more on you. Yeah. So yeah, it was choppy, just a lot of lead changes, a lot of fluctuations in pace. Um, but just stuff that you need to endure, um, stuff that you need to be durable for just mentally durable, just not wasting too much energy and physically durable, um, and spatially durable, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, you need to hold your position and use as little energy doing that as possible. Uh, because yeah, if you get churned up and shot out the back and have to make a move on the outside to get back to where you were, that's a waste. Um, that's something you want to avoid if you can. So then, I mean, shoot, then stuff really does start to wind up, um, a little bit before the bell probably. But you guys come into the bell, you make a really good move because you're you're right on Shlemo's shoulder. Um, when you're going around that like curve 350 to go, and you're on Shlemo's shoulder, maybe you don't know, but you can feel right like Cooper's on the outside of you, Woody's like right back there too. Um, there's like five or six guys I think total still up in that little pack. You you're running really smooth, and you don't cut in on Paul. Were you looking to get around him and cut in or were you fine staying on the outside of him? Um, so going into the last lap, yeah, Paul had made a move to go to the front and he's the reigning Olympic silver medalist, um, has a world medal as well. Like that's that's a dangerous guy in my book. Uh, sub 13, very accomplished American runner. That's a guy that you want to be next to when the kicking starts. You don't want to be way back because, uh, you know, a guy like that, a guy like Woody, a guy like Cooper... If you spot those guys too much distance, they'll like you're not catching them. It, it doesn't matter if you can close a second faster. It's just positioning wise, you can't catch them. So I knew I needed to be right there and got in a good spot. Um, came up on Paul's shoulder, um, mostly as a way to make sure nobody came around my shoulder. Uh, I know. Yeah, I like that as like a wall. I know that made me run a little further uh, rather than the inside, but I knew how many guys were still there. And I knew how they could kick. I didn't want to be swallowed up and spit out the back and then have to come all the way back around. Um, so yeah, I came up on his shoulder. Um, I made a little press a few times, uh, just prodding him, prodding Paul, just seeing what he had. And he responded every time with a little surge. Um, 
so I knew he had quite a bit left. And knowing because otherwise you would have, I mean, you were the goal was to get on the inside of lane one in the lead. Like, yeah. If so, right, like, like if yeah. he didn't respond to those moves, uh, I for sure would have gone around him. But he responded and and gave a little acceleration. So I knew he had something left. I knew Woody was right on me. I knew Cooper was right on me. Um, and I didn't think it was the right time to make an all-out move on the backstretch to cu- try to get that pole position. Uh, I thought it best to just hold that outside line just off his shoulder um, and then give it everything I had in the last 100. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much what we did. We wound it up that last lap. We weren't going quite as fast with maybe 400 to go when we crossed the line, um, but each 100 we were getting faster and faster. Um and yeah, I came around the final curve and I was just off of Paul's shoulder um, and I felt other guys on me. I didn't know exactly who it was at the time, but um, it was Woody and Cooper. Um, and uh, yeah, with 100 meters to go, you just got to give it all you have. Um, and that's what we did. Yeah, yeah, you guys gave it all you had. Uh, you ended up in second in the race. There was... <sighs> I don't know if you would have won. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, Paul is really freaking fast at the end of races. Uh, that's uh, He's got that like kind of primal last gear that like top, top guys have. Like Cole had it in the 15, like where it's just like super raw. And even if the form is flailing, like he's killing it. Um, but he, he also in the home stretch went from the outside of lane one to the outside <laughs> of lane four. Uh, I mean, he did do that, like, and I, because you know, you're quoted right after the race is talking about how it's good racing, like, you know, it's it's the right idea. It is definitely the right idea, like, coming into the home stretch of a race. If you feel someone on your outside, you don't, you can't impede them, you can't, you can't like stick an elbow in them, that kind of thing. But like, a lot of people kind of drift a little bit. That was some of the m- largest distanced drifting. <laughs> I had I had ever seen in a race, and I don't think anyone's gonna decue anyone over it, right? I don't think it was like egregious, egregious. I don't think you're gonna take away someone's spot in the Olympic team. I think you could have looked at it more if it mattered more. Now, obviously, there's like bonuses and performances to like winning USA's or not, but it, if it was third and fourth, you know, or, or second, third and fourth, or third, fourth and fifth, or whatever, y'all, if that had, if it had been finding people who were split between making and not making the team. I don't know. It could have, it could have been something that more people would have been in, like up in arms about. I don't, you know, when you're, I guess the first question is like logistically, right? Like when you're in the home stretch and you feel him starting to come wide and Woody's on your outside and like, like you know, someone's right there. Like, what is, are you even thinking? Are you just like, I'm trying to run? Cause if you'd run in a straight line there, you would run to the back of him, you know? So he's moving you out to an extent that's racing. And then to an extent it's kind of not, I don't, I don't know. I want to know what you think. I'm sure you've watched a lot more since like right afterwards and, and anything like that. Yeah. Oh man. A lot of people have asked me about this. Um, yeah. So coming, coming off that final corner, I was just off the shoulder of, of Paul kind of in his pocket. Um, and kind of, like I said, you're giving it everything you got. You're all out at this point. Um, and you're really tired. It's making decisions is, is hard at that point. Um, so I had, uh, I mean, I had a couple options, um, which people have asked me about the first option would just be like, just keep running in a straight line. Um, in which case I would have ran right into the back kick of Paul kind of as he cut over 
and he probably would have gone down and I probably would have gone down just because, you know, you're all out. Any contact, it, it messes you up a lot. Um, I mean, that's a, that's not an option, you know, like going down and, and falling yeah. or stumbling. I knew there were guys around me. If we stumble and don't make it through, you can't really protest your way onto the team. Um, you can do that in maybe yeah. a semi where you say, Hey, I was impeded. Um, can I, like, I'm protesting, put me in the final instead of 12 guys, make it 13 and put me in. They don't do that for like the Olympic team. If I wonder what they would have done though, if you ran a straight line it, and fell, it would have been, a, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened, but you're also not, there's no way in the, in the race you're thinking like, man, okay. If I run into the back of him right here and I go down. I probably can't win a protest to make like yeah, yeah. last you're, hundred of the race. Yeah, you're not you know, going you're just through this decision line. matrix, like because you also know you're in second. So like yep. you also know like okay, even if I force wide, as long as I finish here, I'm gonna like I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. you. You want to control that on your own feet. Yeah, I mean, I w- I was in a qualifying position and I knew it. Um, the other option would be slow down and then go around him on the inside, which again. Sounds like a decent idea, you can't but really slow down. But when you're all out, if you slow down, you're done. Like you can't slow down and then reaccelerate to top speed in 75 meters. Um, yeah, you, you slow down a little bit in your toast. Like um, that. That was also not a great option. Um, and and also, I Woody was on my right shoulder. Um, I was yeah. I was kind of in the sandwich a little bit, um, and. And that's kind of how it turned out. Like Paul's back kick is very long. It, it's very hard to get around it. And uh, another person just told me, why didn't, why didn't you just go around him? I was like, well, I was trying, you know, I was, lap. I was running as hard as I could. And that was my top speed. And I think he was at his top speed and we were kind of going the exact same pace. I was just half a step behind him. Um, so there's no cutting inside really um, without just both of us going down. Um, it's also the Olympic trials. You don't want to just like, I, I don't know, it's too risky to slow down and go around too risky to cut across and probably fall. Um, and the bonus know, thing all, is you're not thinking any of this. Yeah. Yeah. I was just running as hard as I could. <laughs> yeah. Like, and yeah, it doesn't really enter your brain, but I, I don't know. Like, I think it was, I, yeah, I think that bigger picture wise, besides just like what you could control like moving that far out on you was was too much it's it's a long way to move out for sure um and i was asked by multiple people um officials other coaches if i wanted to protest um and i didn't think it was right for a couple reasons um the most important reason just being i if i'm gonna win the olympic trials i want to do it heads up like i I don't want to DQ my way to a trials victory. That's just not how I'd want to do it. I wouldn't feel good about myself at all. And I would always question, you know, like, is this, is this a real result or is this a technicality? Um, that was not what I wanted to do. And I, I also knew like multiple people brought up rules and specific, uh, like, yeah, rules in the USATF handbook about running in a straight line and stuff. Um, And like, yeah, I guess if you go by the book, yeah, he drifted out um, and forced me and Woody to drift out because of it. Um, There wasn't any contact. um, 
partially because I chose to not create any contact. Um, but it is what it is. Like that's how you race. The only thing I feel now and after the race is just a little bit of disappointment that I didn't get to race him just like heads up in the last final, uh, last hundred, just like head to head, just see who's better because I know who he is. I know his medals. I know his times. The guy is world class. And I really was excited to see how I stacked up against a world-class guy. Cause I, I haven't had too many opportunities to race a world-class guy like that. Um, I, I was just excited to see like, how would I fare on the world stage? I know this guy has done really well in the world stage before. And how do I stack up against that? Um, and so I guess the only thing I feel is a little bit of disappointment there that it, that it wasn't just like two guys just seeing what they had. Um, but that's why people race. Um, and I'll have another opportunity to race, uh, in Tokyo. So that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was very happy to have qualified. Um, the double is, is hard. I, it took a lot out of me. Uh, after that race, I was mentally, emotionally, just physically exhausted. Uh, for a few days, uh, even coming up to Park City for the past few days, I was just tired, fried, like I just needed to reset. And I, I feel good again now. I feel some pop um, coming back and the legs are back. So it feels good. But yeah, man, that weekend was or that whole week was wild. Um, you know, coming back from the 10, your dreams come true in the 10K and you have to just ground yourself again and refocus and know that the 5k is just as hard or even harder to make um and to do it with my teammate was a great feeling uh we uh me and woody work quite well together i think and it'll be really nice having teammates in tokyo um we've got i think as of today we have 11 people um from bowerman going to the olympics which is an incredible number um i i think bowerman Instagram said that, so I haven't actually checked that. But as long as the Barman Instagram is feeding facts, uh... Barman <laughs> Instagram has never lost. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah, so that's pretty like, cool. It sounds right. I haven't done the math, but it sounds right. Yeah, so eleven's pretty cool. Um, I think we have guys and girls from five different countries, um, and yeah, I think five guys from our team are in the ten k, and four guys, four guys from our team are in the five k. So uh, that'll be cool. I mean. Tokyo will be an, an incredible experience, unlike anything that I've ever been through. Um, it will. And uh, I'm really excited. But yeah, right now it's back to work. Uh, Jerry gave us the the lecture yesterday of, you know, this isn't time to, to celebrate um, too much. You know, obviously you're happy that you made the team, but the the main goal is to, to get to the Olympics and uh, compete there against the best in the world. So, so I'm excited. Yeah. But Jerry said, yeah, back to work. Um, training, training is going to be hard in the next couple of weeks and then we'll taper down for the Olympics. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a great feeling just to have the trials behind, um, a successful trials for myself, for a lot of my teammates. Um, trials can be cutthroat. I've talked about this a few times in, in our podcasts. Um, you have to perform on that day. And I, I'm very fortunate to have gone in that healthy, and performed performed well enough to to make the team yeah i mean that's a great summary if you've ever heard one <laughs> between the re- resolving your your thoughts on on the end of that five and all the way through through where you're at today i mean 
I'm so excited for you to, to get to go. Uh, I, from everything I've heard from every one you hear it from, you don't want to spend the whole time in your room, but you also don't want to get too wrapped up in going to try to meet like KD <laughs> or like Simone Biles or that. I mean, honestly, it might not be that hard for you to avoid some of that stuff considering where you spent college. Right. And, and your team, you've, you've been surrounded. There's been people in, in like, I feel like your world that have been very successful before. So hopefully you won't be like walking in there, like head on a swivel, you know, trying to meet everyone and see everything. It doesn't seem like you, but it's just, yeah, from, uh, from everything I've heard, it's just make sure you're, you're doing your job. <laughs> uh, and then, and then afterwards, I guess you're kind of racing on both. Is the track, do you know if track is the beginning or the second half? Uh, I know track, in Rio it was the second half. Tracks towards the end of the Olympics. Ah, damn. Cause then, then you could at least kind of like unwind afterwards. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, but so will you, I mean, you don't need, you probably don't know any details yet. Um, I'm, I'm excited for you to get to go though. And uh, I mean, dude, that's a, that's everyone's dream. That's the dream. So yeah, it seems like you got the right idea though going in. I know Jerry will keep you guys straight. <laughs> won't be too much hijinks going on. It's also nice. Like you said, you have so many people on the team who are still going to be training in Park City up until the games, not just like going around now to compete in Diamond Leagues because they're not going, like, you know, like everyone's going to be kind of localized for the most part still in, in training. Um that's got to be nice. Yeah, yeah, it'll be cool. Um, you know, from what I hear, Tokyo will be a bit different than previous Olympics just because of COVID. Uh, the Japanese government's pretty oh, pretty tight on restrictions. Um, you can only come in a certain number of days before your event, and you have to leave the country within 48 hours of your event compete- completing. Oh. So honestly, yeah, there, there's not really going to be too much from the sounds of it um, kind of messing around. And like, we're not allowed to take any public transit or really go around in the city. Um, I think we're pretty confined to the village, um, which, you know, it, it would be cool if I could tour around Tokyo, but if this is what it takes to have the Olympics happen, then I'll, I'll do it. Like it, I, I'm very happy that the Olympics are still happening as of today, I guess, I guess anything, For anything now, can it's change. It's still not like final, final. Yeah. Anything can change. Like. So, um, yeah, it'll be really cool. Uh, the COVID protocols are very, very tight. Um, yeah, you have to have some some apps on your phone just tracking where you are at all times. Um, Bluetooth app that checks to see if you're ever in six, within six feet of someone that later tests positive. Um, oh, if, if that happens, then I believe you're sent home, um, which would be really, really sad. Um, not be good. so yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be tied over there, but, um, you know, what an opportunity. I, I'm so excited. Yeah. It like sucks that that's how it's going to be, but also for your first one, I don't even know if that's <laughs> the worst thing ever. I mean, it's also basically how you've been living your life for the last year plus. Um, I mean, it's a little bit more strict than I think probably how like the last six months, but like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it'll be uh, too much of a departure from the way that you're living. And also, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to focus on the race. Uh, <laughs> now, you might focus too much on the race. We're going to have to distract you. We'll have to do a lot of pod potting in Japan. Yeah, um, we'll have to work out the time something zones. Something to fill your hours with. Yeah, I'll, I mean, it's actually not that far from the West Coast. Yeah. You know? What is it, like six, seven hours? Uh, um, I think it's. I, I think technically it's like 17 or 18 hours uh, ahead <laughs> Which means, uh, like, I guess if you look at the other way, like you're kind of like eight hours behind, like plus a day, you know, you know? Yeah. 
it'll work. Yeah. (laughs) Your morning is going to be my night, but is it going to be my afternoon or like my like before I go to bed? Well, you know, you know what? This is probably not something for live on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, think anyone cares about this. (laughs) Well, they just, one of us will mess up and then it'll be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, so that's okay. I feel like there's, I mean, there, okay, there's so much more to talk about uh, in the track and field world, but we're already pushing an hour. So this might be the type of thing that we, we pick up uh, early, early next week if you're, if you're down to. Um, there's a lot of other stuff that we can talk about. Just, I also, I, I want to talk about the 1500 um, on the men's side. And I want to talk about some of these other events that we got to see because, I mean, there were world class performances up and down the trials. Uh, it was insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That trials was crazy. Um as a fan, I mean, how do you get a, a better trials? Um, you just had excitement in every event. You had world records, world leads. You had people making, uh, I forget how many teams Allison Felix has made now. Five? Um, five? People doing six. stuff like it's that. Six, is it? I think it's five. Uh, just, yeah, people making their first team, just the excitement of that. It, it was a world-class meet. I mean, it it... In my mind, that was better than a Diamond League. Uh, it's only the Olympic trials. In my mind, is only rivaled by World Championships and Olympic Championships, Olympic Finals. Um, it's just like such a high power meet, and uh, I mean, I've talked about this before, but it the the cutthroat element, just like the finality of it, the the necessity to perform on the day, just creates so much drama. It's an incredible meet, and. This one did not disappoint. Uh, people no. people ran great. And yeah, kind of like you alluded to, track seems to be uh, the hot topic in the entire world right now um, with uh, with some the stuff going on with Shikari or Shikari and, uh, you know, a couple couple drug bans. Like just, yeah, it the, the world's kind of crazy right now and everybody's talking about track, which is kind of weird. And it is in a negative sense, but it's kind of weird just to like go on Instagram or Twitter and see people I know from high school that know nothing about track tweeting about track um, yeah. or seeing even like, if it's about drug bans. Yes. Yeah, seeing like celebrities, uh, NFL players, NBA players, rappers, oh, actors uh, talk yeah. about track um, in a positive and negative light. I, I mean, I know some people say like all publicity is good publicity. Um, so maybe, <laughs> maybe people will tune into track a little bit more now. Um, but do we have the podcast for that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, well, Shakari also was such good publicity. Like, yep. Like, Michelle Obama tweeted about her over the week. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, oh, my God. No, there is a lot. There's a lot. We, you'd have to dive pretty deep into that to do it justice, and I don't want to half talk about it, and we're already pushing Yeah, it we're already hour, over so an hour. That's, that's, I think we should do it early next week, though. Yeah. Um, and, and talk about it. I also, I've got... We have the potential for multiple interviews over the next couple of weeks from different people who performed at trials um, in our kind of circles. Um, as soon as I can wrangle any of them to actually come on, uh, come on the podcast. Everyone says they'd be, quote unquote, honored to do it. <laughs> but at the same time, it's tough finding obligations. Also, no one should feel that honored. Um, <laughs> this is just me and Grant talking uh, to a vacuum. But I, I'm super excited. Hopefully we can get some guest features for you guys. Uh, comment dm uh even email us people you might be interested in uh, us talking to after trials and going into the games i think i mean it's my summer so i'll have a little bit more flexibility with you know times i can do this and i mean truthfully i feel like as stuff winds down as you taper like you might even have a little bit you know when you're in like you're not going to want to spend 
20 of the 24 hours like focusing on the race and thinking <laughs> about the race each day going into it so we might have a little bit more time i don't know we'll see yeah 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 for, for sure like if anyone's listening and there's people you'd like us to talk to or or just get their thoughts on stuff um let us know i i think there's so many athletes that can provide like a lot of insight and um just unique perspectives on stuff i i think part of the reason we started this podcast was just to give like a, a nuanced view of of the sport um because on paper track seems pretty simple but you know the deeper you go the the higher levels you go um it's quite nuanced it's complicated um it's not as simple as you just run as hard as you can every day and see what happens um there's a lot of people with great stories uh great backgrounds incredible performances uh breakthroughs that might might you know, come up on paper as a breakthrough, but you know, if you talk to them, you can hear all the things that went into it. So if there's anyone you want us to talk to, yeah, if if there's anyone you want us to talk to, let us know. We'll try to get them on. Um, you know, no guarantees here, uh, but we'll, we'll we'll try (laughs) actually guarantee. Yeah. (laughs) If you put a name somewhere, it's happening for sure. Um, yeah, no, we we got a couple in the works right now. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens to them. But yeah, no, that's that's exciting. Oh, the last thing, we got a DM about this. I don't know if you've seen it. You don't really check our DMs that much, I feel like. Um, <laughs> I check them sometimes. I, I, I'm in the DM pool trying, trying to make, but you know, yeah, we both do. But um, someone asked me, like, oh, is all those like NIL comments that you made like at NCA don't like sanction us? Is that all negated now? Because starting July first, NCAA athletes can profit off their name, image, and likeness. And the answer to that is yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure there are no rules now. Uh, well, obviously <laughs> there there are still rules, but it's funny. The there is just there is no preparedness. Uh, I feel like the NCAA was trying to fight this court case, and then all of a sudden they lose it, and there's just no like backup plan. We're getting emails from like our athletic department. Like the night before, being like at midnight tonight, you guys are eligible to, you know, like start like profiting blah blah blah. And it's like at midnight, like at twelve a.m. like Pacific time, we're 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 going. I mean, it just like I don't know. I'm not. I don't think I, I'm definitely not in a rush. Uh, I don't know. I we we've got to talk more about that. We don't want to just like bombard you guys with advertisements or that kind of stuff. It kind of goes against the ethos of everything that we're that we're trying to do. <laughs> But, you know, if the right opportunities are there, I don't know. Um, we could see it. So if anyone's listening to this and is associated with people who'd be interested in, you know, talking to us about it, uh, we definitely are we're definitely open to talking <laughs> to, to companies and people. We'll, send, we'll, we'll do more of this off, off air than on air. But just in case anyone is curious, yeah, I'm not really sure what it means for, for college athletes. Uh, we're going to find out where the market puts everything uh, soon enough. It's, it's a super interesting topic, though, Grant, like everyone's kind of geeking out a little bit i feel like yeah man everyone i don't know if you follow enough college kids (laughs) who are like posting um like the the that gaming hey does everyone like i I had a bunch of guys i follow posting like dms are open for business (laughs) and i'm wondering like how how far down does it extend like does is the average nca runner get like these brand deals like probably not like who does is it based on your instagram following i think instagram followings are kind of like you know like I think all runners are followed by pretty much all the same people. So I don't know like how expansive you need to, 
it, God, it, it's so it goes so deep. It's so interesting to me. Um, <laughs> so we'll have to we'll have to figure that out as 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 it starts happening. I know some like really famous college athletes have already been signing some like actual deals though, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think I think this will benefit football and basketball the most. Uh, you know, us, yeah. us distance runners. Uh, I don't know exactly like when i was in college i don't know who impedes us yeah yeah that's all right like now like if you have a youtube yeah yeah like charles is probably absolutely i i I, if you have like media or have a bunch of followers i guess it now you can just make that small bag that you would have made but yeah i don't think that it's like now the nca is gone we can start making like a hundred thousand bucks uh on it's not like that that's for sure. Yeah, but yeah, man, exciting times. Yeah, if anyone yeah. wants to sponsor us or send us like free stuff, snacks or something, I go for some snacks. I guess now we're open. <laughs> food, food, snacks, and like energy type. You got we got to talk off air, but we got to talk about this type of stuff that you consume on a regular basis <laughs> and would like. Because the other thing we don't want to do is we don't want to get we don't want to like advocate for a product that we don't actually like. True, right? True. Like we can't. We're not going to be that kind of thing. I also don't want to be that podcast that like you come into and it's just like two minutes of random commercials that aren't even connected to, to the like content yeah. that you're, that you're listening to. Like, so we're not signed with one of those big like radio things that plug in the commercials for you. So this would be a very localized operation. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've been told that we got to send emails if we want to do this. I don't, I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll draft some emails in the Google docs and we'll, uh, We'll, we'll come to, yeah yeah come we'll, we'll copy and paste the same email and send it to like 500 different companies and see see who bites but <laughs> whoever responds first yeah <laughs> we're gonna take up on no yeah but any anyone who's got like not just advice but just company yeah we're, we're open to like just learning more about what's out there a hundred percent there might be nothing there might be nothing out there grant i we might just be doing this for fun but we need to make up our uh sunk cost on the on the pod hosting site true so. true and and the microphone cost yeah 20 times two bro yeah over the course of it i think we need to make about like 60 bucks to to break even something like 60 that. okay Maybe. i wasn't sure what the rate for the one year of the okay we can <laughs> we can do yeah that. i'm not gonna do the thing where we post like our our paypal or our venmo yeah, yeah i saw some college athletes being like now that now that it's july 2nd like here's my venmo i don't I don't know what that's offering to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who was waiting to Venmo people. Um, also, you have like a Nike contract and all that. So I, I feel like it'd be kind of weird for us to mutually post like a, here's the podcast Venmo. I don't think that <laughs> we have to offer a service to someone in exchange for, we cannot just like operate on the, on the goodwill of people. <laughs> that's not fair. All right. <laughs> Yeah, enough of us trying to like get sixty bucks. But yeah, th- thank you guys for listening. Um, I appreciate it. Um, thank you to anyone that's that's reached it. out, like just before or after the trials, either through the podcast account or to me directly. Um, I do appreciate it. I read all those things, and um, it really is a good feeling. Like it brings me a lot of pride to hear the support of of a lot of people um especially people that i know and care about so um yeah thanks thank thank you for listening um thanks for supporting me thanks for supporting the podcast um you know i hope i hope you guys get a lot of in-person one right what's that an in-person uh shout out on our run the other day oh yeah yeah um yeah people are 
people are recognizing the podcast hosts in person now, so I, I guess we're kind of legit. Just you. <laughs> just wait. Just wait. Not me. You can't say hosts. No one has recognized me in person who doesn't already, which is fine. I don't. I think that'd be weird. No. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's cool. I, also, at the trials when um, we did our little uh, like victory laugh after, a lot of people I talked to said they listened to the podcast, and um, that is really cool just to see the reach of it and. Uh, I hope we provide a good perspective. And yeah, as always, if you have any suggestions or things you want us to talk about more or less, um, just let us know. Yeah, we, we read everything. We respond to most things. Uh, sometimes things slip through the cracks, but we read everything you guys send. So we really are appreciative of it anyway. And also, we, dude, we, we started this kind of with an eye towards the Olympic trials and towards like kind of documenting the highs and lows of that and then you just keep having these highs. Uh, obviously, it's obviously there's you know you're fighting through a lot. You you work very hard. It's not like it's not at all deserved. It's totally deserved. But uh, it's awesome to kind of culminate this almost first chapter with with you know making the double team, if you will, not two different Olympic teams. It's just the one team that's doubled. And uh, kind of yeah, I'm glad that we could kind of document this since since March um, with some flashbacks to even earlier times and on on to the next chapter if 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 you're interested in keeping going grant i I feel like we should keep this oh yeah i i I honestly hadn't even thought about that yeah i didn't think we were going to end the podcast i didn't think this was like our last one um i did not maybe this is maybe this is the end of season one or maybe it would make more sense if season one went through the like it should go this whole track season season. uh that would make more sense but um yeah it has been cool kind of documenting this stuff just verbal documentation almost like a like a journal of yeah just the build-up um i hope people can listen to this and see that you know behind these performances the the few times you might see the athletes performing on the track like there are stories and there's ups and downs there's races there's times when things go great there's times when things don't go great um that that was the insight we tried to provide and uh, i hope we got the job done yeah, for now. Yeah, yeah. And then now we get to move on to the exciting stuff. Yeah. If this is the last pod and we stop before the Olympics, that'd be really Yeah, funny. no, I, I didn't I didn't <laughs> we think we were doing that. <laughs> no, we're not doing it anyway. This is to the moon. But um yeah, definitely not now, either way. So all right, well, we should probably cut it here. We've been rambling for a little bit. Yeah. But hopefully yeah, just thanks everyone for listening. It's it's been really cool to kind of start building this community. Um yeah, it's it's been awesome to to do this alongside you, man. Yes, sir. So, yeah, thank you, everyone, and we will catch you next week on the Half Step Podcast. Yeah, see you guys. Thank you.